Book of Proverbs tonight, it will be once again the book of Proverbs, and I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter number 13, if you would, Proverbs chapter number 13, and we'll get started there, and we'll look at several places tonight throughout the book of Proverbs. I'll remind you very quickly, as you know, uh, for some time now, we have been in the book of Proverbs looking at the people of Proverbs, taking a different character and uh, looking at this character, and some of them are characters we, sh- we should try and emulate, and some are characters we should avoid. Now, this week, I want to pick up with part two, uh, talking about the upright. Last uh, Wednesday, uh, we began dealing with the upright, and we got through eight truths about the upright, and tonight I have eight additional truths about the upright, and uh, this will be a the second part will be a good uh, conclusion and help us. And of course, we're looking at this as defining uh, these individuals. Uh, what the Bible says makes us one of these individuals. Like tonight, we're dealing with the upright. Uh, we've dealt with the fool. We've dealt with uh, all different kinds, and so. But then, how do we deal? Uh, with these different individuals. And so tonight, uh, we'll look once again at at the upright. Uh, We'll look at a verse that we ended with uh, last Wednesday night, chapter 13 and verse number 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. If you recall, I uh, ended the Bible study last Wednesday night with a reminder for us that Uh, The upright, their nature, their character, their principles, the good they do keeps them in the right direction. It's important to do right because it's right to do. But doing right keeps us where we need to be. And uh, that's that's an important thing. And so tonight, uh, we'll look once again at dealing with the upright. Father, help us as we look through your book tonight. And may your words speak to us. May we be helped by the principles we see May we be challenged by the standard that you've set, and may we be warned about the direction uh, to stay away from. Father, bless your people tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, The upright, uh, maybe maybe this is true of you for so many years, you read through the book of Proverbs, and you see all these different characters, and you see, not just in Proverbs, but the, the word upright is used throughout Scripture. Uh, We have a general idea of what it is, uh, but looking in this uh, study last Wednesday night and then tonight, uh, hopefully we're reminded and we learn uh, what a a great character, what a great target, what a great standard for us to try and live by. Let me give you the definition of upright again. Honest, just, not deviating from correct moral principles, conforming to divine or moral laws, to live to any known standard of right and truth. Let me give you that again. Honest, just, not deviating from correct moral principles, conforming to divine or moral laws. Uh, we, need to, we need to take back some of the arguments that society throws at us and rebellion throws at us. Well, you just want me to conform. Yeah, God says conform. He says conform to His laws. Uh, that's exactly what we should be doing, uh, is conforming to live to any known standard of right and truth. People, as people, we have, even as Christians, Christians have a tendency to only rise to the standard that's around them. That's why you got to be careful who you surround yourself with. Uh, iron sharpeneth iron. You know, it, that's why you need to be around iron. Uh, that's, that, that's just, that, this is just a true statement. Sometimes we'll look at this world and we'll say, well, if I'm here, I'm better than this world. Friend, it doesn't take much to be better than what you see going on in this world. But that's not, that's not our standard. Our standard, we're to live to any known standard of right and truth. Practically, if there's a higher standard that this Bible sets than you're living at right now, you should raise yourself to that standard. Wow, that didn't go over very well. Let me say it again. It's true. If there is a standard that this Bible sets that you're not living up to, you and I both should do what we need to do to rise to that standard. That's being upright. It's, it's, it's living to reach the standard that God has set. We need to get this out of our vocabulary too. and get this out of our logic. And it's just another, it's another, it's just another 
code for compromise and rebellion. Well, that's just not the standard I choose to live by. Well, you can choose to live by whatever standard you, you want to live by, but the fact of the matter remains, God has set a standard. It's not my standard. It's not your standard. Well, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't have, have that standard. Well, it's not about what somebody else has. It has God set a standard. You learn this is what God set. Now I know it. I've got to rise to that. You see this with new Christians all the time, or maybe somebody's been saved for a while, but then they get into a church that actually teaches and preaches the Bible, and they begin to learn, and they learn things they never knew. And now they know, and what do they need to do? Raise to that standard. Uh, hopefully, uh, as the longer you read and study your Bible, this, this, I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I've studied my Bible for a long, long time. But every once in a while, I'll read something and be like, you know what, I didn't really grasp it like I just grasped it. I need to raise my standard because there's something the Spirit of God revealed to me. I said, well, well, I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm really, I mean, I study my Bible more than anybody else. Yeah, I, I know our people pray, but I would, I, because this is what I do, I probably have more time than everybody else to pray. I mean, I'm the pastor. But that's not the way the pastor is supposed to set a standard. The pastor is supposed to set a standard where God has set a standard. And that's if it's true of the pastor, it's true of everyone. And it's like sometimes uh, Christians won't serve in capacities they could serve because they know there's a certain commitment they got to make and say, well, I'll be okay serving in this capacity. Well, if you could serve in this capacity, but the only reason you're not is because you just don't want to rise to the standard. The Bible says to be upright is to live to the known standard. It's the known standard. Another word, and I used this word last week, we'll use it again today, is principled. Getting principles from this book and living by them. Live by the guidelines God has set. Live by godliness. Live by the principles. Uh, it's a good reminder for us because this is something we deal with all the time. Principles should guide us, not our emotions. Decide what you're going to believe about something before it's ever tested. Decide what you're going to do before you ever get yourself in a situation. That's a principle. If you're faced with something you've never faced before, you didn't anticipate this decision, you find a Bible precedent, a by our principles developed off of Bible principles, and you let that be your guide. Say, Pastor, I get asked this all the time, Pastor, what are you going to do in this situation? Or, Pastor, I need you to help me with this. Or, what do you think? It's not about what I think. I automatically begin thinking, and that's the Spirit of God to help me, what has God already said? I had a conversation, I mean, this, this, this uh, today, actually, this, a couple times this week, but it, it's, well, Pastor, I feel like this, and I feel like this, and this is what I think, and I kept going back, well, that's great. But the Bible says this. Well, I, I feel, okay. But we have something we have to go back to. It doesn't really matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what I think about it. The, God says this, and this is a principle, that you cannot get around. It's, I know, I know, I know. It's a good example. We let the Bible decide. How many of you have ever been emotional? Okay. I, I wasn't really expecting a response, but, man, those hands went up fast. It's like, yep. Uh, while we all, we're all emotional. Well, I just, I just have a temper. Okay, well, you need to get you some principles to help govern that. Um, we, we all have emotions. We all have a different range of emotions. We ought to have some principles, live to the known standard. I gave you the first eight last week, and, and I'll not review them because uh, there's eight I want to get to. So we, we have a good working definition of the word upright. I remind you that God said Job was upright in all his ways. God said Job met his standard. That, that's, that's amazing. He was upright. He met God's standards. Well, that's the example that we should strive to follow is meeting God's standards. Let me give you uh, the, the number nine in this series, but number one for the night. Look at chapter 14, verse 11. 
The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. Let me say, uh, number one for tonight, the home of the upright shall flourish. Um, I copied what God said. Um, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. You know, think about it like this. You think about that, that Old Testament tabernacle, that dwelling place, was just a tent that they put up in the wilderness. That tent, that tabernacle flourished. Those who are the upright, who live the God standards, will be blessed. Men can build their kingdoms. There's no promise of blessings. But there is the promise of the home of the upright shall flourish. Uh, the juniors and the teens are gone, and so it's a good time to remind mom and dad the blessings of your home, a lot of it depends on the standard that you set, the standard that you live up to. And then, if I can use the word require in your home, doesn't mean your kids have to be perfect. doesn't mean they're not going to come up short because mom and dad comes up short. But what it means is we don't settle for a lower standard. That's a big problem in society. It's a big problem among Christian people. We settle for a lower standard. Let me negotiate with God a way down. Let me negotiate with my parents a way to live at a lower standard. Let me negotiate with the pastor a lower standard. God does not negotiate. And you and I need to be reminded there's a standard that God has set. The home of the upright shall flourish. That doesn't mean it's just going to barely get by. It's going to flourish. There are things that if, if, if we teach our children that we live by God's standards, there's, there's going to things they excel in that others don't excel in. It's, it's, it's true of our Christian school graduates. You know, some would look down on a small, private, little Christian school. Your teachers aren't accredited? Well, no, I don't want them to be as... Well, I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. Um, they, they might look down on it until they hire them. Until they get around them. And the character that they have. And that's why they're going to flourish. So the home of the upright shall flourish. Number 10, chapter 15, verse 8. Everybody still awake? Chapter 15, verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. This is a verse that some people have a hard time digesting. Notice what the Bible says. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. What, what is... The Old Testament sacrifice, it's, it's partly worship. Let me give you a quick definition of what I believe God referring to as the wicked here. It's the unsaved. It's those who do not live up to God's standard. You know how you and I are saved? Because we live up to God's standard. It's not a work. It's accepting Christ. So the wicked, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Well, everybody just prays to God in their own way. But what does God think about it? Well, Pastor, I know you get all over that, that, that kind of uh, contemporary emergent worship, but, but everybody, what does God think about it? If it comes from the wicked, if it comes from the unsaved, that's where it comes from, it's an abomination to God. That's not the point I want to make. Number 10 the prayers of the upright give joy to God. Or number two tonight, the prayers of the upright give joy to God. Notice the contrast there. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. He loves to hear the prayers of the upright. It's a joy to him. You know, sometimes we get ourselves in a mess and then we pray to God to get us out of a mess that if we just lived to His standard in the first place, we wouldn't be in that mess. 
Now, I'm thankful that God hears our prayers when we get ourselves in a mess. I'm thankful that God is not shocked when we in our flesh get in a mess. But sometimes we pray and we ask for help that we would not need if we had just, if we had just lived to the standard God had set. Then he could bless us. Then we would flourish because we're living to his standard. The prayers of the upright, he looks forward to. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to paint the picture that he doesn't look forward to the prayers of those who are in that situation I just described. But it's a, delight, it's a different prayer. Well, you think of the example I've already used of Job, who God said he was upright in all his ways. In that same passage of Scripture in Job chapter number 1, you'll find that he is also offering sacrifices, not just on his behalf, but on behalf of his children, just in case. Well, to think in heaven how God, we know how God received that, because we know what God thought of Job. Well, he, he, he hit this standard, and he was, he's so worried that I'm going to be pleased in every situation that he's offering more sacrifices. Boy, when we talk to God, we give those prayers of the upright to give joy to God. Hey, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to talk to the Lord. When we do grow in our Christian life and we don't rise to a standard so we can say we're better than anyone, we rise to a standard to please our God. We rise to a standard because He's worthy of a holy life. He's worthy of us uh, uh, living uh, completely unto Him. He's worthy of that. But the prayers of the upright give joy to God. Number 11, chapter 16, verse 17. Chapter 16, verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. I'll give you number three for tonight. The direction of the upright is away from evil. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Please, 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 in the midst of all these great truths we're going to see tonight, please make a note of this. Please write this in the margin of your Bible. Please, if you're taking notes, make sure that you circle it, draw a box around it, star it, um, yeah, whatever you need to do to remember this. Direction's a big deal. Direction is important. The direction of the upright is away from evil. The upright aren't hanging around where evil hangs around. The upright, as soon as he recognizes it, he's on that highway away from evil. He's in that direction away from it. There are too many Christians that get themselves in trouble because they don't flee when they should flee, or they're going the wrong direction. I often get asked, Pastor, why are you nervous about that? Or why, why are you concerned about this situation? Or why, why are you concerned? Pastor, why are you concerned about me? And it's one word, direction. Direction. When you see a change in direction, you're not going to end up at the same place you were going. Well, I, I'm where I always was, but you're facing the wrong way. It's direction. In the upright, you'll always find them heading the right direction. Well, I just, I don't want to be extreme, and, and I positionally, I think this is good enough, but somebody who said, is so concerned about living to God's standard and not their own standard, they're, 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 they're concerned about living to God's standard, not somebody else's standard. When, when they get anywhere where they think they're close to something God would be displeased with, they're heading the other direction because they want to live by the standard God has set. Well, if we live by his standard, we're always going to be heading away from the wrong things, away from evil, away from those things that hurt people, that will hurt our own home, will hurt our lives. The direction of the upright is away from evil. You may want to remember this, right direction equals preservation. Right direction equals preservation. You know, when God makes a promise, it's done. 
It's as good as done. How many of you are saved? Okay. As far as God's concerned, you're already in heaven. It's done. Uh, when he promises something, he's done. Now look at, look at chapter uh, 16, verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Wait, the right direction equals preservation. Well, Pastor, how is it that some, somebody stays in the service of the Lord for 40, 50 years? How, come, how is it that somebody stays in church for that long? Is it because they're perfect? Absolutely not. Is it because they never got discouraged? That's not it either. Is it because they never stumbled and fell in their Christian life? That's, that's not it either. Why is it? They at least stayed in the right direction. I use this illustration, I'm not sure how long ago it was, a couple of Wednesday nights, but that if, you, that if you're trying to do something for the Lord and you, and you fall, you're at least falling in the right direction. And you can pick up, get yourself up, clean yourself up, and keep going in the same direction. A lot of times when we stumble and fall, the mistake that's made is like, well, I, I, I don't, I'm just going to sit down here, or I'm going to go the other way. No, the direction of the upright is away from evil. Right direction equals preservation. Uh, let me help you when you're rearing your kids. Your kids are not going to be perfect. Hold a high standard. My kids are never going to turn out to be anything. Well, I mean, I can tell you that. Look at the parents. I mean, I can tell you. But anyway, no, you hold them to a high standard, but keep them in the right direction. My children aren't here. I'll use them as an example. They're, they're, they're not perfect. Like their mother, they're, they're just—they're they're, they're, they're not perfect. They're—they—they they, have—they have just their preacher's kids, but they have—they have failures, they have problems, they have—they have inadequacies, they have all of those things. So, Pastor, what have you tried to always do? Have and quite frankly, I've never never been worried about them embarrassing the pastor. I've never been worried about them. Uh, what what they're, that they should be living. They're the preachers. I've never been worried about what somebody else might think. My whole goal was to keep them in all of their mistakes, in all of their failures, in all of their growth, keep them heading in the right direction. If they stay in the right direction, there's preservation. Well, that's, that's, that's good parenting advice right there. Mom and dad, that's why you need to stay in the right direction. It's preservation. The upright is always going away from the evil. Why? Because remember what their standard is? There's principles. I don't live by God's standard. Number 12. The uh, chapter 21. Turn over a few chapters. Chapter 21. Chapter 21 and verse 18, the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. Here's just a, it's, it's just a great truth, a hidden truth, a hidden fact that God puts in here. And there's, there's really not a whole lot of commentary on it other than just pointing out the obvious. Uh, number four tonight, the upright are delivered by the punishment of the wicked. The upright are delivered by the punishment of the wicked. Remember what the goal of the upright is? To live by God's standard? If you, if you're going, you and I are going to live by God's standard, that's going to take everything we have. It's going to take our complete focus. It's going to keep us. We're going to have to keep us where we need to be. I can't worry about another brother and sister in Christ because I'm, I, I'm a big enough problem as it is. I've got to reach God's standard. The wicked... Uh, you know who's going to take care of the wicked? God is. God will take care of the wicked. I'm just supposed to live by the standard God has set. We've talked about on different nights uh, in this Bible study, uh, dealing with the wicked, how to treat the, what God calls the wicked. And certainly there's Bible principles there, but as an upright individual, I'm trying to live by God's standard. And the upright are oppressed. The upright... Can, can be done wrong. But it's not the upright say, well, if we're living by God's standard, oh, and this is controversial, but we don't pay close enough attention to the Bible. If I'm living by God's standard, then, then, then I need to straighten everybody else out who's not. 
And quite frankly, there's a lot of our churches, a lot of our pulpits that have become ineffective. And it's not just the last five years. You can, you can trace it back further than that because they're trying to correct Washington, D.C. They're trying to correct every, everything else. And I'm, a, I'm for stands. I'm for drawing the lines we're supposed to be. But what does that have to do? Somebody else living down here, what does, and then we fail to keep us living to God's standard. Now, don't, mis, don't, don't misinterpret that. I believe in taking a stand. I believe you have to, to speak out. And I'm going to in just a moment on some issues. You, you have to. But we're supposed to be upright. I'm not, I, it's not my job to punish the wicked. It's God's. And God tells us in chapter 21, verse 18, that the upright will be delivered. They are delivered when the wicked are punished. Good, let's go punish them. No, no, no. God punishes them. And when God punishes them, we are delivered. Think Achan. Achan disobeyed and stole the Babylonian garment, hid it in his tent when God said, that belongs to me. That was the first city that was conquered. He said, it belongs to me. He took it and he hid it, and people died because Achan didn't live to God's standard. When Achan was punished... Victory came again. You know, that's why it's important that you live by God's standard, even as a member of a Maine Baptist church. And I say this, and let's let it apply where it needs to apply. And I know that our church is, God's blessing our church. It's obvious we're of one accord. But you know that if you rob God, it affects the upright. So don't think you're getting away with it. Because the upright are delivered when God deals with those that don't live to his standard. This world is so wicked. This world is so... How, I mean, and it does affect us. I can't control what this world does. I can try and win somebody to Christ. So the light's a little brighter. So that soul gets me eternity in heaven. But it's, it's, not, my, it's not my responsibility to judge. But when the upright are delivered, the punishment of the upright are delivered by the punishment of the wicked. Number 13, 21, 29. A wicked man hardeneth his face, but as for the upright, he directeth his ways. But we're seeing a lot of wicked today just defiant towards God. Defiant towards his standard. Number five tonight, the upright man yields to God's way. Yields to God's way. You know, there's, we, there are, are the, the kids are out and a lot of our, 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 our people are out with the chaperones tonight, but, but I still look around the building and there's something that's true about everybody here. Everybody here is stubborn. Some more than others, but everybody here is stubborn. Some a lot more than others, but everybody here is stubborn. But the upright man yields to God's way. Well, I just, I just, I just is what I want. I say this as kindly but as bluntly as I can. Who cares what you want? Oh, that wasn't very affirming, Pastor. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter what I want. I mean, you expect to hear some of those things in, 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 the, in the part of society that, 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 that hates God. But why do we hear that among Christian people? Well, this is what I want. What about what God wants? What about the standard that God has set? Well, we ought to be concerned as an upright individual. I want to live by His standard. And the upright man yields to His way. My prayer this week for these young people is that with God begins to reveal in the heart of a young man, a young lady, what his will is 
They don't know his whole will. They don't know everything they're going to do, but they, they can know if they're called. They can, they can get a sense of what God wants with their life is that they'll yield to it and say, God, whatever you want with my life, that's what you can have. You know, too many defiant Christians, too many, too, many, too many rebellious Christians. An upright man doesn't live by his own standards, doesn't live by his own desires, doesn't live by his, his, his own uh, decrees. He is looking to yield to God because it is a decision. I'm going to live by his standard. But the wicked man is defiant. He sets his, he sets his face. He hardens his face. Man, we live more like a wicked man or more like an upright man. I mean, I've been in ministry for more than 20 years. I've been your pastor for more than 10 years. And with all of the ministry experience, all the experiences I have, I still, God still puts me in places. God still works in my heart, in my life, where I have to yield to him. Because none of us are a finished product we must always be willing to yield. You know what God? You know what I've watched God do? I've watched God. You know, we walk around with these big buttons. These big, you know, some of our personalities are like, "Here's a big button. Don't push it." I think we have spiritual buttons too. I'm okay with everything God does except for this. And when we do that. You know what God does? Poke. It's like we put that spiritual chip right up here. I want them to go to camp. They better, God better not call my son to the mission field this week. Or better not call him. We put that spiritual chip right there. God better not ask me. God better not ask me. He, whatever you want, Lord, but you better not ask me of this. We put it right there. You know what God does? Because you know what God wants? He wants us to yield. He wants us to yield. And by the way, you'll never go wrong yielding to God. The upright man yields to God's way. I would be lying to you if I stood up here tonight and said, everything that God has, has put in my life and everything he's put in my pathway, I saw it coming. But along the way, just as you have lived this life that God has for you, we're constantly yielding to every detour, yielding to every circumstance, yielding to things that we never saw coming. But the upright man trusts God. The upright man says, it's not up to me to determine the turns in my, my, my life. I, my job is just to please God with the life that he's given me. Well, Pastor, there's, there's disappointments in life. Yeah, but an upright man, does it, he can be disappointed, but he's not concerned about the disappointment. How do I respond to this? Pastor, you, you don't know what, what happened to me. I may not, but you're in control of the response. And when we don't respond right, what do we do? We say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. Then we rise to that standard again. I, the upright man, I'm not convinced for a moment that Job always lived way up on the mountaintop. We know that's not true because when the Lord allowed the devil to test him, there were some times when God had to deal with Job. But I think Job lived there more than everybody else did. The point is that I'm not talking about that we, we always live and I'm just, every day this week, I have, I have met God's standard in every single way. I mean, I, every thought that comes through my mind has been, been captive, as the Scripture says. And, and I thought evil of no one and, and, and everything. No, I'm just saying that when we fail and we fall, we get right up to God's standard. We're yielding. The upright man yields to God's way. We always yield to what God wants. When we read this book sometimes is like, oh, I, I didn't, and the Lord speaks to us in a specific way. We have a decision. Are we going to just going to keep going? Are we going to yield? We must yield to his way. Number six, the upright, look at 28 verse 10, 28 verse 10. We're getting down to the end. Number 28 verse 10. 
Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. Number 14, well, number 6 tonight. The upright ultimately will be in possession of good things. The upright ultimately will be in possession of good things. Because God has promises to the upright. He promises he's going to bless him. He's promising his home's going to flourish. Ultimately, he's going to end up with the good things. Notice the contrast in verse number 10. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way. There are those, and parents especially watch this with those around your children. This is where family can really be a detriment if you're not careful. Because there are some who just want to see their righteous trip. Why? Because then they're, well, they're where I'm at. They just want to see them fall. It's a sport to them. That's the contrast we see. And God says, whoso caused the righteous to go astray in an evil way, and that's why we should have nothing to do with that, what does he say? He shall fall himself into his own pit. And we read verses like we've already read tonight in this verse. It ought to remind us, it's a, we serve a just God. And people who think they're getting away with things aren't getting away with things. It's true of you and not. Well, I just, I'm getting, no, you're not going to get away with it. And a good study is evil. It's that sin with the purpose of doing harm to another, trying to hurt somebody else. God always delivers justice when it comes to evil. He's going to fall in his own pit. But the upright ultimately will be in possession of good things. The wicked scheme while the upright have faith in God's ways. I say, well, pastor, what blessings are you talking about? I trust God to take care of that. I can give you some blessings, but ultimately that's up to God. And I know a lot of, I, I, can, I can probably give you examples of a lot of wicked people who don't have peace. But let me tell you who's got peace. The upright do. You know why? Because they... They're striving to reach God's standard. They're not, care, they're not worried about what everybody else is doing. They're not worried about what society, the pressure society is putting on them. What does God think? I want to reach God's standard. And I, there's peace that comes with that. Do you realize that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing to have? But God takes care of the upright, and ultimately... The upright will be in possession of good things. And we know ultimately, boy, there's nothing better than heaven. Ultimately, that's what we have. But I, I think this does allude to God does give us blessings. There's some material blessings, if I could say it that way. But I do also believe that the Bible talk, is talking about the blessings that come from God that you can't put a price tag on. Well, they have everything at Walmart. They don't have everything at Walmart. They don't have peace and joy at Walmart. I have that till I go there. But there's some things you can't, you can't, you can't buy. You can only get by the satisfaction if I did my best to please my God. You know, you look at the false religions in this world. You look at the, the Mormons. And a Mormon who believes what the Mormon doctrine teaches is on his way to hell. But they're pretty dedicated, aren't they? Because they're trying to please their God. The Muslim who will kill innocent people and kill themselves in doing so. Because they're trying to please their God. And born again believers, it's hard, it's not, we're above average, but it's hard to get them to see the importance of being at Sunday school in church. Maybe it pleases God. Or, or I, I have, I, Pastor, I just, I just don't think that's what the Bible talks about when it says coming out of the world, this and that. 
whatever. I just look at it. People who don't even know God work harder at trying to meet a standard of a God that doesn't even exist. When we know God, we ought to be striving to meet that standard. And in doing so, we will be in possession of good things. This world sometimes feels sorry for Christians who, who, who make their decisions based on what makes God happy, who does their activity on Sunday with what makes God happy, with rears their children to what makes God happy. Oh, I feel sorry for those Christians. Friend, don't feel sorry for me. Because the Bible promises you and I, if we'll live by God's standard, we'll have more possessions, more valuable possessions than they will. Number 7, chapter 29, verse 10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. I'll talk about this more with number 8 in just a moment. But not everybody loves the upright. The devil tries to get the upright to change their standard. That's why, by the way, it's a big deal to be reared into the Word of God and taught certain things that God teaches and certain way of living that would make God happy and then to give that up. The devil deceives into trying to get you to give that up. But if you won't give it up, Bloodthirsty hate the upright. So the point I want to make with fifth, uh, the number seven, I'll make this point with num- number eight, but the up, number, number seven, the upright does right by the souls of men. The upright does right by the souls of men. Notice the contrast. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. You want to read some convicting things? Read the last words of martyrs. as they tell their executioners of how much God loves them. Their last words are of preaching of the grace of God. Why they seek their souls. That's why I've warned us through this political period... Yeah, we ought, to, we ought to defend our, our, our principles. We ought to defend our rights. We ought to defend your, ourselves. But the ultimate goal is for us to win their souls. Why? Because, not because I want to. I hope, sometimes I, I, I say that and it's like, well, Pastor, why are you saying that? We don't need to hear that. I need to say it. Because it reminds me. Uh, why? Because that's not something that we always want to do. That's not something that we even, just the thought of dealing with, especially some of the things that we are on the front page today and are shoved down our throat. But there's a standard that God has set that we're supposed to seek the souls of men. Ultimately, we're supposed to try and win them to Christ. And not every missionary who's ever gone to a foreign field that entered a pagan village has, has, has been able to testify back and say, the village all accepted Christ. Sometimes their life was lost because they were given the gospel. Why is that? Because they're seeking their souls. The upright does right by the souls of men, not because they want to, because, but because it's a standard that God has set. You know why we seek the souls of men? Not because we want to. Now, there's part of us. You know what I mean by this. It doesn't matter if we want to. Pastor, I just don't feel like being a someone. It doesn't matter. There's a standard God has set. Pastor, that, 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 that makes me upset. It should. But the, the upright live by God's standard and therefore will do right by the souls of men. Do right by those who need the gospel. Number 8, chapter 29 and verse 27. An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Number 8, the upright man's existence is an abomination to the wicked and unprincipled. 
Verse 10, we read, the bloodthirsty hate the upright. Now, I know the King James Bible is supposed to be hard to understand, but everybody understand that? They hate the upright. Verse 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. The upright man's existence is an abomination to the wicked and unprincipled. This is something we need to be reminded of, and it may be hard for us to digest, hard for us to swallow and accept. Those who embody wickedness, we have been commanded to reach. But God's also told us they hate us. There's so much compromise from churches in our country that we're reaping because this idea of we've got to take the gospel mainstream. The bloodthirsty hate the upright. Now, let's preach it from every corner. We've got to get it into, you know, we've got got to go sit, we've got to sit and talk to all of our representatives and this and that. You really think somebody who keeps voting that it's okay to murder unborn children up to the point of birth? is oppressed because you have doctor so-and-so pastor on your stationery? This is a hard truth for me to swallow. They hate the upright. I didn't say that. Rush Limbaugh didn't say that. Whatever political commentator you want to put in there didn't say that. God said that. The nonsense you see now in Abomination Month. They hate the Christian. They hate them. The mistake we make is when we try and make concessions or partnerships to show them that we love them. No, God said win them. If you try and win them, that's the greatest love you can show. And there's a lot of quote-unquote, good people, Bible believers, whatever you want to label them, churches, whatever, who have become completely ineffective because they've given a concession to a group or to wickedness that hates their existence and looks at them as an abomination. You cannot negotiate with people who your very existence that's why you, you hear this terminology, the culture wars and all, all of the, these things and, and what are we, what's going on in our country and this and that. It, and truthfully, there's more to it than just, it's, it's not just two political parties. There, it, it's all the underlying things that we're seeing in the book of Proverbs. See, so, well, can't we compromise? Not till one side's eliminated. That's the way they look at it. Say, Pastor, are you calling for us to eliminate them? No, I think if they would all get born again, then the problem goes away. But see, that's, that's, not, that's not the way that Christians have always been treated. If, if you need a historical reference, go back to the Roman Empire. Go back to those dark ages, the murder of the Christians. You can find it in our own country, too. Go, go back to that. They want to wipe us off the earth. We're supposed to win them. That's why you cannot make any concessions or partnerships. Pastor, they, you know, I wish we were more popular as, as our society becomes more bold in their defiance of God. We become perhaps more important than we've ever been, but less popular in culture than we've ever been. This will help you. This is why some of these politicians, no matter how conservative they label themselves or not, if they don't understand what's really going on, well, we've got to bring both sides together. It's not going to happen. Because you've got evil and you've got righteousness. And if the righteous, the upright, do what we're supposed to do, we have to preach the gospel to them. Can't you just, can't y'all just be neighbors and coexist? I'm told to win my neighbor. 
while they're trying to, I mean, let's just call it what it is. While, while, while these perverts are trying to convert our children, we're trying to win children with the gospel. There's a big difference in that. But the up, this is something you need to understand. The upright, I've got to please God. I've got to, I've got to do what God wants me to do. But you, it's, it helps you understand the mentality of what you're up against is we're an abomination. It can even be said, I think you can even make the analogy that in Christian circles, Christians that, that don't want to just slide by, preachers that will hold the line and won't, won't, won't tolerate the compromise, there are churches that hate churches, and the reason why is sure some churches won't give up their stand. And then excuse it, it's wrong. Pastor, can, can, can everybody love me? Well, I saw a saying not too long ago. You can't make everybody happy. You're not a taco. <laughs> Write that down. Truth divides. Truth divides. But who are we supposed to be trying to please? It, I understand what someone said. I want, I, I'd like to please my pastor, but I don't want you to live to please your pastor. I want you to live to hit God's standard. If, you hit, try, if you're living to hit God's standard, you'll please your pastor. Uh, what standard are we living up to? Let's be that upright and be principled. When you're principled, it, it doesn't matter what, what's going on. Pastor, don't you get angry, upset, what's going on? Yes. That's why I have principles that no matter how I feel about something, I have to please God. Pastor, I hope I'm like you one day, and you always feel like doing the right thing, and you always feel like turning the other cheek, and you always feel like, no, most of the time I don't ever feel that way. But I, like you, I want to please God. I want to try and rise to that standard because that's the standard that we need to try and get to. Father, help us tonight to strive to be 